Hello everyone. Every other Saturday, I pull out my ironing board, retrieve my iron, and press 12 to 15 shirts. It's very therapeutic and very satisfying to be pressed and ready for the next two weeks. Now, in my opinion, this world would be a much better place if everyone used an iron. A world without wrinkles. Hmm, that would be fabulous. Now, I wasn't always a wrinkle snob. While in high school, my shirts taken out of a stuffed drawer were not visually appealing. Even though I received odd looks, I thought no one cared. But those wrinkles, they said something. I was unkept. I was undisciplined. I was lazy. And I was a slob. All true. I was lazy, disheveled, unkept, undisciplined. And whether I liked it or not, I was being judged for my appearance. Now, in my defense, I was never taught to iron. Uh, in my high school years, to my knowledge, there wasn't an iron in the house. With six children in the house, another 10 to 12 children from the children's home, under my parents' care, teaching one how to iron was the last thing on their list. I mean, we were good if we walked out the door with clean clothes every day. It wasn't until one of my mentors, a professor, a co-worker, Dr. Howard Norton, addressed a young youth intern at the college church about the need to present himself well in dress and in action. Here's the crazy result of that conversation. <laughs> it turned me into an ironing fanatic, a monster. <laughs> I became a wrinkle snob. During the starching years, my shirts starched with my own formula. <laughs> they would stand up. Here's the sad part. If you were not starched and pressed, I judged you. This unkept, undisciplined, lazy slob at one time turned into a judgmental and hypocritical jerk. And in those days, if you wore wrinkled clothes, I totally judged you. Now, I've softened over the years, and even though that's in my past, I'm glad I'm not what I used to be, but I'm also not where I want to be. I'm still a sinner when it comes to judging others. Our next section of Scripture in the Sermon on the Mount is one that addresses judging. Listen to these words. Judge not that you be not judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, whether we like it or not, we are all often judged by others. I mean, are we not? And many of you, probably all of you, know exactly what I'm speaking about because you've been there. You've been judged for your dress, judged for your weight, judged for your, your intelligence, judged for written words on a screen. And I could go on. And all of us have done it. All of us judge others. None of us are exempt. 
And Jesus is asking us in this section of scripture to examine, to investigate what is going on inside of us when we judge others. Brothers and sisters, this has everything to do with how we treat one another in the family of God. Judging begins with a look, our, a perspective, our sight, our, our, our perspective, how we see the world does not go beyond first impressions without making a snap judgment. We know this to be true. Even God knew we would look outwardly before exploring the inward heart of another. And how difficult is this? Listen to this verse. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature, because I have rejected him. For the Lord sees not as man sees. Man looks at, on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Our sight does not go beyond first impressions without making snap judgments. Jesus again comes to a section of scripture in the Sermon on the Mount where he says, do not do that, but do this. I'm confident that you know that all you know one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible by heart, even if you do not know where it is found. I'm positive you've used this verse before. Even outsiders, non-believers even quote this verse. Now, our text do not judge or you too will be judged in Matthew 7 verse 1 leads to leads to one of the most quoted scriptures in the Bible. And it's found in James 4 verse 12. Who are you to judge your neighbor? You know the scripture by heart. When someone eyes you with a judgmental attitude which you believe is unfair or this is our response. Who are you to judge me? When we are questioned for our motives or our intentions, we use the same reply. Who are you to judge me? Now, now remember, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is using new kingdom language as to how his followers are to act under his rule with one another. The kingdom of heaven has no vision of one going through life without support from others. We are necessary for each other. Even amongst Christian relationships can often get messy and complicated, can't they? In fact, we judge other Christians much harsher than we judge the world. Isn't that true? Now, real quickly, let me give you the definition of the word judge from an ancient language. The word is crino. The word means to decide. When we make critical decisions to form opinions, whether positive or negative, this is crino. It simply, simply means to make a choice. Judging is something we do. I mean, all of us do. When we go to the grocery store, we choose between two items of the same kind of competing products. Is it Kleenex or Puffs? Well, obviously it's Kleenex, right? And this word judge has broad meaning. If you have judged a contest of any kind, you've been a judge. You have decided between two or more. And then there are justices, men and women who judge from our local level all the way to the federal level of the Supreme Court justices. Crino simply means critically deciding. So let me ask you some questions about our text. Do not judge, or you too will be judged. Is Jesus asking us to ditch our moral compass? Is he telling us that we should not judge between right and wrong? And if we witness sin in another believer's life, are we to place our moral responsibility of caring for that soul on hold? 
Is not the Sermon on the Mount about decisions, judgments we make in our life? Do not do that, but do this? Is not Jesus asking us to make decisions of judgment between right and wrong and good and evil? Yes, absolutely. He is asking us to judge our choices. So the judging Jesus is speaking about must be a different type of judging. Judging that is critical without confirmation, condemning without awareness. He's making a judgment of another without knowing or understanding their full story. And Jesus says, this is wrong. And we do it all the time. And we are all guilty. And it needs to stop. Jesus continues, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Now, let me see if I understand Jesus' words. With the intensity of my judgment toward others, that same negativity and hypocritical judgment I use will be how I am judged. What I dish out, I will receive when it really matters. Here are Paul's words on this same subject. Why do you pass judgment on your brother? Or you, why do you you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So, with the measure we use, it will be measured back to us. Jesus is striving to establish a community, a kingdom ethic of how his fellowship will be different. One body, one fellowship of Christ's followers. But how we function as a body? It's often messy. There is conflict. Sides are taken. A division happens. Judgment follows. This pandemic, this this political season, I believe it's exposed to cancer which lies deep inside of us. We don't know how to treat others. We don't know how to have a thoughtful conversation without judgment. It's my way or the highway. We're not being Jesus to others. And our witness to this community, to our world, it has been polluted. And let me address the real problem. We believe God is on our side. We believe Jesus is standing right there with us in our judgment of another. And he agrees with me. And Jesus knows this about us. This is why he shares a little parable with the crowd. A parable which received, I'm sure, a huge laugh from the audience. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. If any of you have ever been around woodworking, you know a good pair of safety glasses are a must. I mean, the possibility of dust getting in your eye from flying debris is it's almost guaranteed. And if you've had that happen, you know it's annoyance. There have been times when I've asked Deb to assist me in finding the sawdust in my eye. <laughs> but what if, what if I went into Deborah to get the sawdust out of my eye? She had this huge telephone pole sticking out of her eye. Can you imagine that? Do you understand why the crowd just began to laugh? It was such a ridiculous example. But Jesus is trying to make a point. None of us are without an impediment in our eye. 
none of us. And for some reason, we observe another and we think we know them. We think we understand their thoughts and the motives. And then we go a step further. We judge them. We condemn them. The space we see Jesus occupying with us, him being on my side in this judgment, is wrong. We have the wrong picture. Jesus is up there. We are down here. There is only one lawgiver and judge, and we are not him. All of us, all of us together stand condemned. We all sin and fall short of the glory of God. We are all sinners saved by grace. And that grace is how we ought to observe all people, how we ought to treat all people, especially those in our faith family. All right, let me, let me throw out a thought question. Why do we judge Christians, fellow believers, harsher than we judge the world? Why is it that we are so critical of those for which God called us to love? Remember, Jesus is describing a kingdom ethic. His sermon is the way in which we are to live in harmony with our Heavenly Father and with each other. I've seen more church fights than I care to. I've seen more church splits than are necessary. I've witnessed brother against brother and sister against sister. And our churches have been fractured because believers believe God is on their side. I am right, you are wrong, and Jesus is here with me, not with you. Now, James the Apostle, or James the brother of Jesus, whomever you believe wrote the letter of James, addresses this very issue. Listen to these words. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you are not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? Now, be sure we understand what this passage is saying and what it is not saying. It's not saying that I must agree with my brother. I can even, I can even believe my brother's wrong. That's not the point of the passage. The point of the passage is how I perceive the actions of my brother and how I respond to him or her. Perception is reality in our minds. And whether we like it or not, that which we perceive often determines our judgment. We believe our perception is right. It's holy, it's righteous, and it is just. And it may be. But our perception is a projection upon another formed with incomplete data. And where incomplete data exists, you have a corrupt file. That would be me. That would be us. Jesus incorporates the same word. Jesus used for judge, crino. But look at how he surrounds this passage with context. Remember, James is clarifying Jesus' words, and he's using the same type of language Jesus used in the sermon. Do not speak evil against one another. In other words, do not do that. Do not slander your brother. Do not speak against your brother. Do not judge your brother. See, James is speaking about us observing someone's behavior and making a moral judgment and then and then then we do something more we make assumptions see we think we know them and we think we know 
why they did what they did. And we make assumptions about their actions. We make assumptions about their character. And so then we place them in a box labeled unholy, unrighteous, and unjust. And then we go one step further. We advertise their box. We place it on display for all to see. We hold it up. We make an announcement about their box. We place it on social media. We make phone calls and share with others our slant of that individual. And the author of this letter reminds us that our actions go against the law. And no, he is not speaking about the Mosaical law, but the royal law found in the Mosaical law, which James reminds us in chapter 2. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Loving my neighbor is loving God. I cannot love God without loving my neighbor. I cannot claim to be a Christian and slander my brother. We cannot be a believer of Jesus and think for one second that my ill treatment of another, especially my brothers and sisters in Christ, is just. What makes us think that we can place judgmental words on a screen that would, we would never say to those individuals if they were in our presence? And yet we do. And feelings are hurt. Relationships are fractured. And our one body in Jesus Christ is no longer one. And we wish this passage of scripture would just end right here because as a body, we can't take much more. I mean, I, I can't, I, I, I've been convicted by the words of Jesus and they sting, right? They sting because I am them. We are these words. And there's much all of us need to do to address our own hearts when it comes to the matter of judging others. But Jesus is not through. He has one more nugget of truth for us. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them under foot and turn to attack you. All right, let me, let me read this one more time. This is just, here you go. Do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Now, Remember, this is a parable. It's not an allegory. And much like the parable, the speck in the log, there is a main point to this parable. Okay, so let's think through this parable really quickly. There is someone in this parable who has something of great value, the pearl. And there are others in this parable who do not value what you deem as precious. So what do pigs value? Do they value pearls? <laughs> no. They don't. And what do dogs value? Do they value pearls? No. Pigs value food. Dogs value food. Treats. Pearls are not on the list. And when we have conversations with others, we often barge in giving them what they do not need, but that which we value. And the point of this parable is to have wisdom in the way we approach another individual. When we think they need a stern lecture, Maybe they need empathy and love. Jesus is simply reminding his hearers to be sensitive to the needs of others instead of leading with what you think they need. We are to think of others before we think of ourselves. But James, what if I see someone going down the wrong path, making bad decisions, eternal choices that would condemn their soul? I mean, 
what should I do? I mean, should, should I not speak with them? Shouldn't I make a bold attempt to find the lost coin, to, to go after the lost sheep and the lost son? Absolutely. But before doing so, conduct a self-examination. Look at your own motives, your feelings. Contemplate your nature, your character. Do a self-assessment of your heart and then bathe your preparation in prayer. Place grace in your left hand and empathy in your right hand before you enter into a conversation with that individual. And remember to be Jesus to them, compassionate and kind, speaking the truth in love. And, and here's one more insight, reflection. Don't forget that Jesus knows you. Jesus knows our flaws. He knows our sins. He knows our weaknesses. If truth be told, we all have a telephone pole in our eye. And what if, what if all our secrets today were laid bare, made known in a public display? Our sins were exposed to all to see. All our shame, all our regrets were placed on the big screens. Each were exposed, laid bare before this community of faith. And some of us are sweating just thinking of that. That would be a nightmare, would it not? See, we need to assume before making a judgment of another that my sins, my issues, are far more serious than yours, whatever they may be. And before any of us have a conversation with another, before any of us dare to place another soul in a box, we need to remind ourselves of the gospel, the good news of his kingdom. Jesus died for me. As flawed as I am, he went to the cross for me. Jesus took the pain and the suffering of the cross for me. And he was raised on the third day for me. And through this grace of salvation, I am made whole. And brothers and sisters, I'm a person who is in desperate need of this gift of salvation. I am in desperate need of his amazing grace. And when we see ourselves in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ, how can we judge another? In light of my sins, how can I approach another unless first I remind myself that I have been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ? I don't deserve his grace. I don't deserve his love, but I have been made whole in his grace and salvation. And it is this that grants me new eyes to see others. This gift changes us. We begin to see all people with eyes of Jesus. We interact with all people with grace, the grace and heart of Jesus. And with those who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, we double that effort to be forgiving, kind, compassionate, and patient. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. So how do we function as a body? Do this. Do this. Judge not, that you be not judged. Brothers and sisters, what if? What if before making a snap judgment about another, before placing them in a box, before we advertise, we had a meaningful conversation, more time spent in dialogue, listening to another and doing so without judgment? What if we saw ourselves as flawed and as sinful people saved by the grace of God and took that assurance into those conversations? Our hearts aligned with Jesus, our grace eager to be extended to another. And what if we allowed our Heavenly Father to be the judge 
and we removed ourselves from that title, do you think this world would be a better place? Do you think our churches would grow and flourish? I believe so. I love you, Lakoma. We all have much to learn, areas in which we can grow and expand. I leave you today with this blessing. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. May you be blessed by our gracious Father, the maker of heaven and earth.